Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the first ever Fightful Boxing Podcast. No Sean Ross app, no Jimmy Van, no cardboard cutouts of James Ellsworth wearing a Fightful t-shirt. You are listening to Carlos Toro and the man, Stephen Mulehausen. <laughs> Stephen, how are you doing? I'm good. The man, I don't know. Everyone keeps calling me this lately. I don't know why, but I do appreciate the kind words. Carlos, thank you for this opportunity. I'm looking forward to this. If you guys are not a part of Fightful.com, I'll just get this right out of the way now. You guys are missing out. We got MMA podcasts. We got awesome wrestling podcasts. Now we're getting into the world of boxing, so watch out. We're making a lot of noise. This is the first show. Give us some time, but I'm telling you right now, this is going to be the premier podcast to watch. So I'm definitely looking forward to this, working with you, Carlos, down the line. So let's rock and roll, baby. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, first of all, I think we should – at least I should probably introduce myself because I'm not – a well-known boxing and MMA journalist such as yourself. So for those of you that have been following Fightful from the very beginning, I had been a part from the team since it was first launched back in July, sort of in anticipation to UFC 200. I've pretty much been running the boxing side of Fightful. Uh, I've been helping out a lot with the MMA side, especially from the live viewing parties on those early pay-per-views for UFC and those early UFC fight nights that we've had since the first inception. And Steven, uh, you're very well known, but at least, but at the very least for those of you, the very few that don't know, so just talk about you and what you do. No, first, thank you. And, you know, definitely watch out for Carlos. He's making a lot of noise. He's doing a lot of great work at Fightful. So definitely keep reading his work and watch and seeing everything that he is doing because he's doing a really great job in, I've been just about any, everywhere. I started out doing MMA, featured MMA columnist at Bleacher Report, then went on to BetweenTheRopes.com for a little bit where I was the news editor for that site, and then went to MMA and boxing for sporting news, and now I'm doing some contributing stuff here for Fightful and also still doing some stuff for sporting news and for Yahoo Sports. So I'm just about everywhere and anywhere, but I'm glad to be a part of this team as well, and I'm looking forward to this because I think this is going to be awesome something no one is doing by the way so we're setting the trend here oh yeah i think 
this has the potential. And so with our, all of our other podcasts with UFC Hall of Famers, Elias Teodoro, who has been doing pretty well lately. And we got Shane Helms on the wrestling side, Matt Riddle, arguably the biggest indie wrestling star in the world right now. And now we're now starting to get into boxing. And I think this is probably the best time to do it, especially with the first three months we've had of boxing. And this month, we've already, we already have a ton of fights coming up. Uh, we just finished with the Triple G Daniel Jacobs fight, which was, I don't think anybody expected this fight to be as close as it did and end the way it did. I didn't think anybody would expect uh, Triple G to win via close decision and still have a lot of people think that Daniel Jacobs actually won the fight. You know, I think there's a, it's a testament, I think, to two things. A, how, many, how everyone viewed Golovkin as a guy who was the most fearsome fighter in the sport, and he's shown a little bit that he was human. You can look at it at that aspect. But then you can look at the other aspect, Carlos, and the fact that Daniel Jacobs is really good. He wins in the fight at 32-1, and 23 wins by a knockout. He won his last 12 fights. This guy's no joke. He improved. He is, after Golovkin, the number two middleweight in the world. It's, it's hard for one to knock out guys ranked six, seven, and eight. He can do that. When you're facing the number one guy, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. And he knocked him down in the fourth round. But to Jacobs' testament, he got up. I hear Jacobs winning the fight. I'm one of those guys that that had it scored the other way. I could see it going the way of Golovkin, but I hear Jacobs winning the fight. And it was more entertaining, like he said, than what people anticipated. And you look at the buy rate. The buy rate was announced earlier in the week. And 170,000 buys, I think, is considered a success. I really do, considering you had... The NCAA tournament going on, and I know I was watching the tournament before I started covering the Golovkin fight. I watched the tournament all day. I lost some money, but I, I, <laughs> I thought I wasn't happy about it, but I had fun doing it. But, you know, the Golovkin fight delivered, though. You know, and it, it wasn't a big uptick. It was an additional 17,000 buys from what we saw when he fought David Lemieux, but baby steps with Golovkin, but I thought it was a successful, but it was a surprise that to many that the fight went the way it did. I think it did. I think I, I agree with you. I had Daniel Jacobs barely winning the fight. Um, I think with the problem with, with Golovkin is that now we're starting, especially with the fight against Kel Brook, who, a guy who made his debut at middleweight and was a welterweight world champion. I think we're now starting to see cracks in Golovkin's game he can't do that well against against Southpaws he can't do that well against a boxer who is fighting at a much more technical style which is what we saw from Danny Jacobs to everybody's surprise but I still think Golovkin is still at least now is no longer the undisputed top middleweight I think at the very least 1A 1B and so when we're now getting either a rematch with Jacobs which I think everybody would be in favor for or a fight with Billy Joe Saunders, which I was reading, you know, Frank Warren, Saunders, a promoter, was saying, hey, we got the financials done. Jake, uh, Triple G, you got 10 days to sign this fight or else we're moving on. See, th- this is one of those things where and you say he's done. I also, I, but I look at it a little bit differently. I, you can make that argument and the argument is valid, but then you can go and make that point of, Talking to Kelbrook before the fight, and you look at Kelbrook's frame in general, Kelbrook can fight at 154. He can fight at 160. He can he can do that. And Kelbrook's a I think Kelbrook is the most underrated fighter in boxing. 
If you if you really sit and look at him, he never got the credit he deserved. A lot of top guys weren't willing to go and fight him. And that was always the problem with, you know, now look at what Kelly Brook's getting next. He's getting Errol Spence. That fight's going to be amazing coming up at the end of May. So you were talking about big fights. We had a lot of big fights coming up, and that is one of them. But then you look at Daniel Jacobs. He's a great fighter. You're, the higher cap, caliber of competition you face, it's going to be harder to knock him out. Could he be slipping? Yeah, he's 34. Guys are going to start to slip at that end. Even Mayweather slipped a little bit. You notice it with Pacquiao, and then you look at what happened with Lennox Lewis, and you've seen it recently with Vladimir Klitschko when he, when he, when he fought Tyson Fury. So you, the top guys are used to being on top for so long, you're going to notice that little bit of regression. But I think Golovkin's also evolved. He's starting to become more of a boxer. You've seen that in the David Lemieux fight. He was starting to use the jab more, and look at what happened. We've seen it in the Kelly Brook fight. We saw it in the fight with Willie Monroe. You're starting to see him become more of a boxer. Billy Joe Saunders, that's a – if Billy Joe Saunders – when we were talking about earlier about – we were talking off air about McGregor and Mayweather, and we'll talk about that in a few moments, but I'll believe that fight happens when Billy Joe Saunders gets in the ring. Billy Joe Saunders has faced nobody. I mean nobody. The fact he's trying to call the shots to face Gennady Golovkin is a, is a little egregious in my estimation. That's a fight I wouldn't take just because I think if you really want to face Canelo, you want that big money fight, I'm taking no risks in that situation. I'm going to take the Canelo fight. I'll wait till September. The fight, will like, it's looking pretty good it's going to happen as long as he gets by Chavez. I don't waste my time on Billy Joe Saunders. That's a fight you can take in December. It's a fight you can take in January or February. Saunders needs that fight now more than Golovkin needs that fight. I know he wants to unify the titles, but I think he needs to come to this realization of the fact that what if you get hurt in that Saunders fight? The Canelo fight then doesn't happen in September, and you're looking until next May. So take it. don't take the fight. That fight can wait. I don't know what you think, Carlos, but I think that really if I'm going to take that fight, I'm going to take it later and not now. Yeah, I think I definitely agree. I think I find it hilarious, to be honest with you, that Frank Warren and Billy Joe Saunders are wanting to be the guys that are the ones setting this fight up when really Golovkin doesn't need to fight Billy Joe Saunders. He wants to fight Billy Joe Saunders because he has the WBO title. But you, I'm sure Golovkin was watching Saunders when he was fighting Arthur Akhavov, uh last year. And, and I give a lot of credit to Akhavov. He fought pretty well, but... It was a combination of Akovov doing better than what a lot of people thought and Billy Joe Saunders just doing terribly. I mean, Billy Joe Saunders, this is one of the worst performances I've seen Billy Joe Saunders do in a long time. I don't know if it has to do with the year-long layoff since he beat Andy Lee for the title, but I don't know. Just, even though he won, I thought his stock went down a lot. No, I agree with that 100%, and I'm glad you said that because the stock did fall. You can also, you can attribute, like you said, you can attribute that to ring rust. You really can. But that was an opponent he should have wiped out. Mm-hmm. Guys that are that below your caliber, you have to finish them. You can't, is it good to get the rounds in? Absolutely. But it's that old adage, and you know, and this is in the fight game. You get in, get out as quickly as possible. You don't get paid by the hour. You get paid by the fight. If I can finish you in round one, I'm going to finish you. I want to finish you in round one. If I don't have to go 12 round, 10 or 12 rounds, I'm going to make sure I don't. And I thought his stock did drop. And that's where I think Golovkin holds all the cards here. In this scenario, 
like you said, Golovkin can sit back, sip on the pina coladas, <laughs> take his time, and he can wait for he can go to Las Vegas on May sixth and see the see the fight between Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. and Canelo Alvarez. Now I guess that kind of segues into just sort of taking a first look at this Chavez Jr. and Canelo fight, which already has a lot of interesting storylines. It's obviously with Canelo, you got the potential Triple G fight later this year, even though that fight has still yet to be agreed. I still have some doubts about it. Oh, you're it, still but- here? Come on. <laughs> believe what Oscar tells you. Come on. <laughs> Who doesn't want to believe a boxing promoter? Come on. Ooh, you know, you think of a good point. I mean, and who, as good as a guy in mind. Um, yeah, and there's also the whole the the whole catchweight thing, which I thought was certainly bizarre. Then there's a storyline about Chavez and Canelo uh, wagering their purses for this fight, even though that's not really going to happen anymore. Much to now uh, Chavez's senior oh, uh, disappointment, the fact that something like this even was entertained. But overall, I think this fight is one of the stranger ones. I don't know if it's stranger is one if it's a correct word, but you look at everything put in place. You have a guy in Cesar Chavez who really has not been in the mainstream scene, at least boxing wise, since losing to Sergio Martinez, and now he's been moving up to super middleweight. Fought very briefly at light heavyweight. Now you have a guy, and now you're fighting. Uh, arguably the best 154-pound, 160-pound boxer in the world. And at a 164-and-a-half-pound catchweight, that's, I don't know, it just seems a little bizarre. I don't think I've ever seen anybody move, have, move up to a catchweight that high and have someone who's fought at a much higher weight go down that low just suddenly for one fight. You know, money talks. Mm-hmm. Money does a lot of talking, and this when this fight came about, I was taken aback by it as well because I had heard a couple of rumblings, but I'm like, I, mean, th- I didn't think for Canelo this fight made too much sense. It's more high risk. It's a high risk, low reward situation. I think this was more for him a pride thing because if you say Mexican boxing, it's still the Chavez family. And no offense to Junior, but he's still living off the fame of his father. At the end of the day, you have a guy in Canelo who is the biggest star in Mexican boxing. Biggest, one of the big. Right now, he's the face of boxing. If you, you really, you really want to sit and look at it, I know for this site, and I, I know for Fightful, and I know for other publications, and talking to other boxing journalists, when it comes time to clicking for a for boxing, Canelo clicks. He's the name. He's the draw. People want to see him fight. Chavez star has faded, but that, that's to his own undoing. You remember the preview to leading to the Sergio Martinez fight? It really wasn't even training. Yeah. He's sitting there getting up in the middle of the day. Freddie Roach is sitting at his house waiting for him, and he doesn't take things seriously. He coasted for so long. And then when he was forced and he was pressured, he buckled under the pressure. Look at the Sergio Martinez fight. It took him to the 12th round. If he would have done in round 12 what he did in round one, I think he takes Martinez out early in the fight. His own worst his own worst enemy is himself. This fight makes no sense. 
He's going down from one. Yeah, he went from 75. He took a catch weight at 69, which he made weight. And I was very surprised he made weight. And now he's taking a fight at 64 and a half. He comes in even a pound overweight. He loses a million dollars. I'm going to bet my ass he's going to weigh 164 and a half pounds. And if he wins, he's back on top. Ofkin. I wouldn't have taken this fight. I gave LRS credit because he always wants the big fight. That's the reason I love Golovkin. He wants the big fight. But you've never even fought at the middleweight limit, and you're jumping up to 164. Chavez can hit. He can hit hard. Does the, and does the power translate for Canelo Alvarez to 164.5 pounds? That's going to be one of the big question marks going into this fight. Yeah, and I think, it, it, yeah, you make a really good point, the fact that all the quote-unquote middleweight fights that Canelo has had, which I think was five, it was five so far, all of them were at 155-pound catchweight, just one pound above the super welterweight or junior middleweight, however you want to call it. And I think if I'm Canelo, I think I took this fight because, one, it's a big-money fight. All the Mexican fans in the world are going to be taking it. The fact that you have a guy who has struggled for years and years to get to yes, even to super middleweight, 168 pounds, you kind of thinking, all right, his stock isn't that great, but the name recognition is still there. And I can just sort of catch him, make this the biggest uh, Cinco de Mayo fight ever, which Canelo has a great history of doing so. As, you know, guys like, uh, I remember the first Canelo Cinco de Mayo fight I saw was the Shane Mosley fight he had. And overall, I think, I don't know. It almost feels to me Canelo's a little bit too overconfident in Chavez's, one, ability as a boxer in these past couple of years, and two, his ability to make weight. Because I think Canelo, even though he's able, he's fought 155, I think there was sort of a plan by him and Oscar to sort of start building up to potentially fight at that 160-pound limit. I think the 164.5 is... I guess a bit of a test to see if that could happen. Well, not 164 and a half pound catch weight, but maybe him standing up to Golovkin at 160 with no catch weights. That's a very bad. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of losing you a little bit. Good. Good Chavez. This is because Chavez can box. When Chavez is motivated, Chavez is amazing. And he's proven that. But if he comes in motivated and he keeps saying he's motivated, he's sober, he's everything in between. If we get that Julio Cesar Chavez in about four weeks, I think he will plow through Canelo Alvarez. And Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. will finally be living up to his potential. This is low risk, high reward for Chavez. This is 
Canelo's taking all the risk, like you said. To me, this seems more of like a money fight. You know, this is a fight for the Mexican fans. I know the Latino audience is really looking forward to this one. You know, you got all the big sponsors coming out. I know I'm talking to some different people in the fight game and at the websites and all the all the sponsors are getting on board here for this fight. They're putting a lot. There's a big financial investment in this fight, and I'm kind of losing you, Stephen, again. But uh, but yeah, from what I could catch from you, yeah, I, I agree. I think Chavez he's shown in that 12th round against Sergio Martinez that. Once he really digs down and actually, you know, starts fighting for real, I think he, I think he has a lot of potential. Canelo, yeah, but I don't really, absolutely, he does have a lot of potential. And this is the thing that really, I just want to see the best job as possible. You know, I want to see both. I don't know what I'm getting. Like you said, what are we getting from Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. here? What are we seeing from him, Carlos? We haven't seen much. We've seen a lack of focus, missing weight. I want to see guys at their peak. I don't know. Chavez isn't at his peak right now. Canelo's peaking. Chavez, to me, still seems, and I hate using this saying, and I don't want to disrespect Chavez. I know I'm never getting into the boxing ring. I don't think you're ever going to get into the boxing ring. (laughs) I hold him. He's right now at the bottom of the barrel. He's got to work his way up. I wouldn't have taken this fight. I don't care what money you're giving me. Chavez does nothing for me here. I'd have taken a fight at 60. Why not face like a David Lemieux? Why not face Billy Joe Saunders? I think that would that would have been a fight. Those are two fights I think I'd rather have taken here. You're going up to a weight you've never even fought it. You're going from, like you said, his last fight at 50, you're fighting at, you're going from 54. Now you're jumping up 10 and a half pounds here. This is it's a very high risk situation for Canelo and this could end very, very badly for him. I agree. And, and you mentioned Billy Joe Saunders uh, going up against Canelo that could, like as an possible option to this fight. I agree, and I don't know why he didn't take that fight. The WBO gave Canelo the opportunity to fight Billy Joe Saunders, and they were in talks of having that fight happen. And if I'm Oscar De La Hoya, I'm thinking, all right, Golovkin wants to unify all the belts. He also wants to fake Canelo. Why not have Canelo go up against Billy Joe Saunders? I think Canelo would win that fight. And then you have one final unification bout for September, for October, between champion, uh, the champion Canel versus the unified champion, and you have everything in place for a perfect middleweight fight uh, in 2017, a, a perfect boxing fight. You have the dream match, and you have both guys coming in as champions. So I don't know why he took this fight over Billy Joe Saunders, which I think would have helped Golovkin and Canelo go up against each other and the interest of the sport so much more in the long run. I couldn't, you left me, I'm usually not speechless, but you left me speechless. You're exactly right, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so we'll, I guess, end, end it with the uh, Canelo and Chavez talk, because we'll have plenty of time to talk about that fight. We'll have plenty of time. But one fight that there, um, that certainly we both have been very interested uh, for, for the last couple of weeks in seeing it and covering the 
David, uh, David Hay, Tony Ballou fight. And Hay, um, we were talking off the air about another fight on the potential Connor versus Floyd uh, card that may or may not happen. And that would uh, Jimmy Manua against David Hay. I don't know if I I don't know if I ever would have imagined I would be saying that sentence, that potential <laughs> fight waking up on my twenty second birthday. I have no idea that would have even happened or that thought occurred in my head. But it's apparently a thought that's going that's running through David Hay's mind. We apologize. We may be having a little bit of some tech issues. Uh, I don't know if it's on Steven's side or mine. But, yeah, but just to sort of mention, or at least while Steven gets back here, uh, talk about what uh, this, what we're talking about. So David Hay, who has been one of Bridge Boxing's uh, biggest names, he had a major fight, even though it was an, a non-title fight against Tony Ballou, which has whose rivalry has been one of the best in the past few months in boxing. He now wants to fight uh, Jimmy Manua in the undercard of a potential Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor fight. And it's not the first time we've had a boxer, a UFC star, thinking about fighting on that potential card. I wanted to hear your thoughts on this because I know you're very, very curious about this whole thing when we were like you said we were talking about this off air and remember when jimmy manuel called david hay out after he knocked out Corey anderson and i'm like i kind of just chuckled i'm like oh okay yeah david hay he's a fellow englishman oh yeah okay ha 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 but then i I see this this morning and david hay says they're talking the ufc's talking i reached out to the ufc they gave me a no comment on the situation right when we were right before we went on there i sent a quick message and i got a no comment on the matter but it seems like they are talking if you're going to believe david hey and Dave, i'm not trying to question david's credibility here but his credibility isn't always at the highest level but let's take him at face value here is there interest on your end carlos because i don't know if there's an interest on my end i feel it's, everyone gives David Hay a lot of credit for toughing it out, toughing out the, for, with a torn Achilles. But he still lost to Tony Ballou. No, no, and there's no offensive. I think Ballou's a good boxer. I think he's a good fighter. But I think David Hay had another. But if David Hay can't beat Tony Ballou, how in the blue moon is he going to beat Jimmy Manuel? Jimmy Manuel hits like a freaking truck. David Hay hits like our grandmas. Sorry, David Hay. You hit like my gra- our grandma. You do. If you think you can sit there, I would actually take Jimmy Manua to beat David Hay. Did you see that left hand he hit Corey Anderson with? He folded like a dryer sheet. Come on. David Hay will get his butt handed to him. That is not even a contest. It would be nice to see on the undercard, though, if Mayweather and uh, McGregor does happen. I would. Nothing more than to shut up on a guy. Shut up, David Hay, who thinks he can beat Jimmy Manuel. And good for Jimmy Manuel, by the way. Call, see, having a fighter call out another fighter. 
it's a, you don't get that a lot in combat sports anymore. We don't like calling guys don't like calling each other out. So props to Jimmy Manuel. I think he wins. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Because David Hay needs to get his butt knocked out again. Tony, but if he got knocked out by Tony Ballou, regardless of injury, Jimmy Manuel hits harder than Tony Ballou. So, in my own opinion, I could be dead wrong. Yeah, uh, I think I think it's not even a a discussion as to whether or not David can beat Jim Manoa or vice versa. I think Manoa would easily beat David Hay. And I don't know. I think it's mainly the sport of boxing now. Wanting kill <laughs> of the little celebrations. <laughs> no, I think this is great because a, we're on the same page. I, I think that's amazing. But I just think the fact that. I think we both know, and we both know, we're both, fight, we're, we're fight analysts. We, we, know, we know about boxing. We know about MMA. We both know how hard Jimmy Manuel hits, and I and David Hay hits not that hard. So a guy he should have beaten and finished early, regardless of injury. Take injury away aside. I give him credit for staying in there. He showed a lot of heart, but he still lost to Tony Ballou. Tony Ballou isn't Vladimir Klitschko. Mm-mm. And he went to, and Klitschko hits a lot harder than Tony Ballou. At that stage of the game, I, I, you can make that case for like That's an easy case to make. But David yeah. Hay is hot garbage. Give me my note. Knox is blown. Yeah, I think with this, yeah, I think it's not even a contest. I like the novelty of the fight, which, again, goes goes with the theme of UFC against boxing. And I think UFC would stand to win on some of these undercard fights. I don't know if they would stand to win a whole lot by having Conor McGregor lose to Floyd Mayweather. Jimmy- and I, but I think, I think it, it helps because it does showcase some of your bigger, some of your better fighters and you have seen not named Conor McGregor and it does help uh the company a lot moving forward because now you have if this fight ha- if this Conor McGregor's Mayweather fight happens you're looking at a potential you know maybe five million people watching some of these other UFC guys and maybe competing on the card and that will help generate a lot more interest in future events I don't know about boxing because you know Mayweather's retired at I mean, well, he says he's unretired but just for this fight. But then David Hay, he's not going to look good in front of the UK boxing fans. He's gonna, his stock is going to plummet a lot more. And I don't know. It seems like both sides stand to win a lot depending on how you book this card. I think it all really depends on how it's booked. If it's going to be Conor versus Floyd, just those two having that crossover, and then the rest be a UFC card or a boxing card or even a crossover, the whole card. It just really depends on what's going to happen. But yeah, I agree. I think we're both on the same page. Manuel would easily beat David Hay. No, no contest. 
What do you think about a mix? Like you brought this up because this really hasn't been brought up too much that from what I've seen. What do you think of like a mix match of like you were going in? I like that idea of having mixing up some MMA, but then the UFC guys fighting in octagon. Typical cage like for Bellator or World World Series of Fighting or you know your regional promotion. That would be the interesting thing too. Is it all just boxing versus MMA fights, or is there then you have a boxing match and then boxing and there's MMA shows? Maybe do you go the Bellator route and you have the cage and you have a ring over there? There's a lot, like I said, there's a lot that's going on behind the scenes. There's a whole lot going on. Well, I'll give you a little scoop here, ladies and gentlemen. The sides are talking. I know for a fact they're talking. People that do know, and I've talked to those people, Dana White's been talking to Al Heyman. Al Heyman's talking to Dana White. The fight's closer than a lot of people think it is. You look at the fact that the two power brokers in this are talking. Period. Floyd Mayweather's not sitting there talking to Dana White. Al Heyman's doing that bidding. Conor McGregor isn't talking to Dana White. I know Dana White is handling this for Conor McGregor. I mean, they're giving them each fighter their, their respective fighters info. This is what's going on. This is what we're looking at. What do you think? Of course that's happening. Like you said, what kind of fights? What other fights are going to be on the card? The venue? How much money is going to be made? How are we going to split the money? What are we going to do about sponsorships? Where is this going to air? Where are we going to air the prelims? All these factors are going on right now. The pots are getting stirred. The fact they're talking, Carlos, the fight is getting closer. I will still, like I said earlier, I will believe this fight happens when they get into the ring. You can say, oh, all the contracts are here. I see a press conference when they weigh in in the night of the fight. It was like Mayweather Pacquiao we said earlier. When they get into the ring, I will believe it'll happen. At the end of the day, I'm still not a believer, but I'll believe it when it happens when they're in the ring. I like to think of myself as cautiously optimistic when it comes to this fight happening. I'm still literally, I wake up, I may think the fight's happening. Six hours later, you ask me, I don't think the fight's going to happen. It's literally a toss-up with a lot of sides, but... (laughs) I don't know. It just it, it almost seems like one of those too good to be true type of deals, but it isn't much closer to reality than a lot of people think it is. And I think if this happens, I think at the very least, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on the boxing part, which is what Al Heyman and the rest of the big promoters in boxing would like to see. And even if it's a retired guy headlining this uh, this card, I think they will absolutely take it just for the sake of a lot of people paying a lot more attention to the sport of boxing. You hit something on the head there. This helps both sports. If you, if you really sit and you think about it, you just had 5 million people while you're talking about 5 million. 5 million people just watched Keith Thurman and Danny Garcia. But what was the follow-up after that? I still haven't seen too much from Keith Thurman. I haven't seen really. I haven't seen none of Keith, Thur- Keith Thurman. Mm-hmm. The thing you, I give Floyd Mayweather credit for, whether anyone wants to admit it or not, Floyd Mayweather keeps his name in the limelight, good or bad. Regardless of what you think about him, Floyd's in the public eye. Conor McGregor, he stays in the public eye. These are the two big, the two biggest box office attractions in combat sports right now. 
if they get into the ring, this helps boxing, like you said. This helps the UFC. But then the thing is, in the, but you have to also think forward. Think about the aftermath. What? How does boxing grow for from this fight? How does the UFC grow from beyond this fight? already there how does it that's the only incentive here for floyd mayweather besides the financial aspect conor mcgregor there's more on the line for him i think if you're looking at individuals the sports as a whole will grow if it if the after if it's done correctly in the aftermath i think but individually i think it helps conor this is a, a high risk high reward situation for conor mcgregor he either can come out a joke he can come out as a bigger star than he went into this with. So there's a lot of circles. There's a lot of avenues we can go here. And I think it's, we're talking about a fight that's not happening, but it's a fight that is more than likely going to be happening. And everyone's talking about it. So there's so many different things at play. And there's going to be a lot more things we're going to be talking about is it looks like September seems to be the date sometime in September. This, if it's going to happen, this is the date it's going to happen. It's not going to be next May. They're talking September. So June, if you hear June, throw it in the garbage. September is the date they're targeting. I think it's like the third Saturday in September from what I've been told. I don't know what that is off the top of my head. But I know that is the date that's targeted, and that's the date they're looking at. You heard it here from Stephen Muehlhaus, and I told you he was the man at the start of the show, and he <laughs> is. Um, so- September 16th, I do apologize, but I had to look at my phone there. I couldn't remember that date, but September 16th is the plan. That is what they're looking at for the T-Mobile Arena. We'll, we'll see if it, if it does happen. Trust me, we, you will hear it here on Fightful.com. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, so I got a – so yesterday when I made sort of the announcement that we would be unveiling a podcast, a uh, boxing podcast, uh, I had some people – ask me a few questions so we can answer on the show. Um, definitely one, uh, and I'm Puerto Rican, so I have a lot of Puerto Rican friends and family who are big boxing fans. They were asking me, um, is Felix Verdejo a real contender, or at the very least, the real deal? Because now, ever since the motorcycle accident back in October, it now there seems to be a lot of questions. And... His last fight against Oliver Flores in Puerto Rico, uh, I think what, eight weeks ago or something like that, he didn't really look all too well, and everybody was, you know, preparing to give him, to give him the fight against Terry Flanagan, and now that seems to be up in the air because he has because Flanagan's fighting Peter Petrov, which I think is going to be a pretty entertaining fight. Um, Flanagan's got a fight. Oh, we we disconnected. You there? Um, we, I am here, my friend. Okay, cool. I don't know why you disconnected for a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, so I was saying, you know, Felix Verdejo, he was so close to getting that title fight against Terry Flanagan. And now it's going to be a long while before, if it happens. And I don't know, it, I now started to have a little bit of doubt because Felix Verdejo was so close to becoming the biggest Puerto Rican boxing star after Miguel Cotto. And now that seems to be in doubt. It is in doubt, and, it, and this is the thing about it. When you get in, into accidents, you know it's 
You look at Frank Mir. I'll use an MMA parallel here, and I'll parallel this in the boxing here. Look at what happened. Frank Mir was on top of the world. He was the heavyweight champion of the world. Got into a bad car accident, and it took Frank Mir four years to get back to what he was. It took the win over Brock Lesnar, you know, and it took that fight, and then he got his confidence back. Accidents can be the biggest, your biggest detriment because you don't, you don't plan on getting in a car accident. I got into a car accident in July, and I'm still dealing with neck issues, and I'll have neck issues the rest of my life. I didn't plan on having neck issues the rest of my life because of a car accident. And you look at this situation, can he be the next Miguel Cotto for Puerto Rican boxing? Absolutely. But I think we need to give a little more time. And this is the whole thing. We're in, and you, wonder, and you know this, Carlos, we're in a society now where it's, they want to see results today. They don't want to wait for the future. They want results today. Like you look at Lomachenko, got eight fights. And already saying this guy is going to go down as one of the greatest of all time. He's only had eight fights. Yeah, his background and his pedigree speaks for itself. But they're making this guy out to be the early, the next Manny Pacquiao, the next Floyd Mayweather, and the guy's only had eight fights, and they want to put this guy at top two or three pound-for-pound fighters in the world today, and he's only had eight fights. It's like, okay, let's pump the brakes just a bit. Let the future play out here. I mean, if the injury is healed, then that messes with you mentally, getting, in, getting into an accident and then having all the pressure. Puerto Rico is – it's – it's on the big of a hotbed for boxing is Mexico. I think it's growing, and I think that because that is due to Miguel Cotto, what, what Miguel Cotto has done for boxing. But let's give a little more time. Let him get fully, let him get 100% healthy. Take a couple fights that he should win and keep building up your caliber of opponent. And then when he's ready, and he knows he's ready, then he will explode. But let's give it time. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, I agree 100%, I think. And me speaking as a big uh, big fan of Felix Verdejo, and I think right now I, I kind of put myself at fault for also kind of believing a little too much in the hype and thinking that Verdejo is the star now when he clearly still needs a lot of grooming. He's only got 23 fights. That's really not a whole lot to be considered, you know, a top lightweight. And you got guys like Peter Petrov. You got guys like um, Terry Flanagan. And I think this fight could still happen. It'll probably end up being, you know, towards the end of 2017, early 2018, as you said, as he starts, you know, rebuilding that confidence. Because you you brought up a really good point. Those kinds of things, it's not easy to – recover from so quickly, not just physically, but mentally. And with a guy who's getting hyped up as much as Verdejo, I think it'll, it still needs a little bit more of time, but I think he is still on, good, on a good pace to be that star that everybody thinks he can be. This is the thing. And, you, and you, we said it here that – let it build. Let it simmer. In, in, in athletics in general, with athletes in general, and you've talked to plenty, I've talked to plenty. The biggest thing and always it says to them is the mental aspect. Mentally, it is so 
important. A lot of people don't understand that. This is going to take time. Could it happen? Could the Flanagan fight happen by the end of 2017? Absolutely. I think it can. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it in January or February or begin by the end of the first quarter of 2018. I think no later than that the fight will happen. But let's give let's give a little time here, and you have to let things marinate a little bit, and especially in this aspect, to let them rebuild themselves mentally, and just build themselves back physically too. He's got to work on two different things here, and it's going to take a little time. Let's pump the brakes. The fight will happen. It's just a matter of when he's mentally ready to get into the ring with Flanagan. I think it'll happen, but it's going to take a little time. Yeah, I agree. Um, So we don't have a a whole ton of time left, but I don't want to end this without talking about, and this is another thing that a lot of people ask me, especially on the Fightful podcast with Sean Ross Sapp and Jimmy Van uh, yesterday or or whenever you're listening to this, March 29th. I had a lot of UK boxing fans ask me about the Anthony Joshua Vladimir Klitschko fight. And this certainly is a really interesting fight. I'm I don't think I've ever been this hype this excited for a heavyweight fight in a long, long time. And the UK boxing heavyweight scene is exploding. And I think Joshua has that potential. I think he's getting Klitschko at the perfect time. Klitschko is getting older. He hasn't fought in 18 months and that was a loss to Tyson Fury. I think if Anthony Joshua is able to take the opportunity and beat Vladimir Klitschko, and it's not a guarantee because Klitschko is still very, very tough to beat, but he's but like we mentioned with Golovkin, now we're starting to see Klitschko be human. And if Anthony Joshua can win, I think we all we just found our heavyweight star for the rest of the 2010s and early 2020s. This is the biggest fight, heavyweight title fight, since Lennox Lewis and Vitaly Klitschko. It really is. You know, you look in just in terms, like you said, Carlos, in terms of interest, this is a big fight. 90,000 tickets sold at Wembley Stadium. This fight is huge. And these are the two best heavyweights in the world. No disrespect to Deontay Wilder. No offense to Joseph Parker, Andy Ruiz, Tyson Fury. These are the two best heavyweights in the world. These are the two baddest men on the planet. They're going to go in there on April 29th, and they're going to go knock each other's block off. This isn't going to be a staring contest. This isn't going to be what we saw with Vladimir Klitschko and Tyson Fury. They're going to stand in the middle of the ring, and they're going to throw. They're not getting paid by the hour. They're getting paid to fight. They're getting paid to box. I think there'll be a feeling out process, but this is going to be, I think, a fantastic fight. The thing no one's talking about, though, where is this going to air? That's that's a no really is, point. No one's giving answers. They had the press conference. I know Showtime and HBO were at the presser when they were here in New York to promote the fight. But there's no television deal. Where is this airing? That's I think a misjust. That's a mischaracterization. This is a that's an injustice. Period. I know plenty of you guys. You said yesterday when you did the podcast with Sean and Jimmy, people are asking about this. The question is, I would be putting the pressure on is, who is going to air it here in the states? People want to see this fight. I know tons and tons and tons and tons of people that want to see this, but they don't want to 
I'm like, you may have to go to the UK, the Wembley Stadium, to see the fight because right now there's no television home for this fight, and I think it's an injustice. I would put it on CBS. If you're not going to put it on preview, Showtime, Joshua's affiliated with Showtime. Put this on CBS. Shatter what Keith Thurman and Danny Garcia did. They did $5 million. I think this does between 10 and $15 million. Easily. There's enough time to where you still have four weeks. You can promote this within three weeks. You can start the promotion, get it ramped up, get Joshua and Klitschko all over the place to be a satellite. You can get this fight to happen. You can get it on CBS. The ratings would be amazing. Who doesn't want to see the heavyweight championship of the world between the two best boxers in the world? Let's hope it happens. But we need something here. Whether it's HBO, Showtime, CBS, pay-per-view, let's get it taken care of. That's my big injustice right now. I'm pretty mad about that. That really gets me fired up because this should have been taken care of like five months ago when they first announced the fight in December. What happened between three months ago? What happened in de- between December and now? It's a shame. It really is because this fight deserves a big platform, and right now we're not seeing it. Beyond yeah. 90,000 people at Wembley Stadium. Yeah, and you know, and I think with the way the sport has been going, 5 million people watched Thurman versus Garcia. That's a positive, that's a positive step for the sport of boxing. I think you have a ton of momentum from that fight, and if you can carry that fight that's on CBS, which a lot more people have than Showtime or HBO, it's going to do unbelievable numbers. Not only is the sport going to benefit a lot from having something like that, Heavyweight boxing is going to happen. Like you mentioned, we really have not had much intrigue in the heavyweight division in this whole Klitschko dominance. And I don't mean any disrespect to Klitschko, but the fact that he has not been able to uh, showcase a lot of his fights in the, in the United States and a lot of his fights are in Europe against lesser caliber opponents, I think it's kind of hurt because there really was no star in the heavyweight division right up until now. Now we're seeing so many younger heavyweights and all of them just bursting onto the scene, getting all these titles, becoming world champions, setting up intriguing fights. And I think Joshua, if he beats Klitschko, then I think we definitely have at least one of the phases of boxing for several years to come. Well, I want this, and this is a big edge of boxing. Boxing begins and ends. With the heavyweight division, you look at the run in the '60s. You know, with the, with the Ali, and then you started Ali Frazier, Sonny Liston. You know, and then the end of the era of Floyd Patterson, and then you had the '70s with still with Ali and the end of Frazier. You had then you seen the rise of George Foreman, Larry Holmes, and then you get into '80s with still with Larry Holmes, Mike Tyson. You've seen. Michael Spinks, you've seen the era of the heavyweights, and then you've seen the 90s with Lewis and Tyson and Holyfield, you know, and then the end there with Hasim Rahman, and, you you know, you started to see, and then the early, early 2000s with Lewis and the Klitschko brothers, and like you said, now... It's is not flourished, it's on the downturn. And it's no disrespect to anyone else in the sport, but it begins and ends with the heavyweight division. And now the fact that and it's not a coincidence that you're seeing now, like you said, you talk about Joshua, you got Wilder, you got Joseph Parker, Andy Ruiz, you got Klitschko, you got Tyson Fury. You got a lot of guys, young and up-and-coming fighters right now in the heavyweight division. And 
Now you're starting to see that uptick in boxing and you're starting to see your resurgence. It's because of, it starts with the heavyweights. It ends with the heavyweights and everything else is in between here. If Joshua wins, I agree with that. Then I think you see, because it's the end of the, the end is near for Klitschko. The lights at the end of the tunnel, the tunnel's going to keep going for Anthony Joshua. His road will continue. Klitschko's is coming more to a close. So if an Anthony Joshua win is best for boxing because of what you just said. I think we're about to wrap things up here for the first ever Fightful Boxing Podcast. a hell of a show. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Steven, if you want to do any plugs, uh, now's the perfect time to do it as we're wrapping up. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MMA, M-U-E-H-L-H-A-U-S-E-N-M-M-A. And that is it. I can't believe I'm ever promoting my Instagram and my Twitter. If you would have said it to me five years ago, you, I would have. <laughs> I would have said you're you're pretty crazy, but no. That's where you can find me on social media. And just keep listening to all these great po- video podcasts on Fightful.com, like Carlos was saying. Not just this one. Sean Rice, Sean Ross said, the man, the man who runs the place. Yeah. The champ who runs the camp. We would love we it. Great guys, like working with guys like Showdown Joe, Matt Riddle, Sean Pearson. The man with the best hair in combat sports, Elias Theodoro. That's a handsome man, by the way. Very handsome. Man, I, I'm jealous of his hair. And like, you know, a lot of great podcasts, amazing podcasts. Listen to them all. This is the first one. There's plenty more to come from us, but this has been my pleasure. Carlos, I'm glad to finally get to work with you a little bit. So thank you for asking me because this was a lot of fun, and I look forward to continue doing this. I agree, and it was certainly a pleasure working with you, and I was giddy at the – at the chance of <laughs> doing a podcast with you. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Carlos Toro 360 uh, Toro T O R O. Yes. That is the, that is the Spanish word for bull. I've gotten so many jokes about that over the years, but yeah, you can find me there on Twitter and hope, and I'm sure this is not the first one uh, for this fightful boxing podcast that we've done. And it was a pleasure talking boxing with you. I'm really excited for this. No, thank you. It is my pleasure and my honor. This is a great way to kick off your Thursday morning. We got a lot of more great podcasts coming up today, so make sure you guys stay tuned in. Yeah, follow Fightful for everything, especially this weekend, WrestleMania weekend. We got TakeOver on Saturday, the Hall of Fame on Friday, WrestleMania, of course, on Sunday, and so many great events. Uh, Bellator, King Mo versus Rampage Jackson this weekend. That's awesome. I will be Pretty there. Great. I will be there tomorrow night. I oh, will really? there. I will be there. I will be there, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I got some goodies. We, I got a thing with Rampage Jackson, I think, coming out today or tomorrow. So we got some great stuff from Rampage. We'll have some stuff up with King Mo. So we got some great stuff coming up here in terms of that. All right. Well, then, everybody be on the, on the lookout for that. And for the first ever Fightful Boxing Podcast, Stephen Mulehouse and Carlos Toro signing out. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout.
That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.